Welcome, welcome to a, another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. Hi, how are we all doing? Hopefully, well, I am, of course, your host, Mark Kuznez. If you're watching the video version on the YouTubes, that is youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. Or if you just go to pxsausage.com, you get links to the YouTube, the site, the Discord, the Patreon, and so much more. <laughs> but if you are watching the video on YouTube, you'll notice that my room, my space, the video is more brightly lit. That is because I am using the ceiling light. Why? <laughs> I accidentally turned it on when I was trying to turn on the light I usually turn on. And then I looked at the video and I said, <laughs> that's made me nicer. So now you can better see to some extent, even though it's still uh, all in black and white the contents of my recording space, which is also my bedroom, which is also my office, which is also my pretty much everything. I've done my best to consolidate, consolidate, consolidate the majority of my stuff to fit in this room. Not completely possible, but I'd say that my entire life can fit in two rooms worth of space. But that's not important. What is important, what I'll be talking about on this year episode, and those topics include Marble It Up Ultra, Destroy All Humans Reprobed, no, 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 Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed, colon, single player, which is the Xbox One version, specifically made for the Xbox One version. Then we have the Dragonus, Command of the Flame, Save Cock. That is not a uh, misspeak. That is what the game is called. Save Cock, K-O-C-H. You may be saying to yourself, well, isn't Coke Media pronounced that way? And aren't there other pronunciations of K-O-C-H? You may be right. And I believe Coke Media is Coke Media. However, the game says its pronunciation of K-O-C-H. And it is indeed Cock. And sometimes it's Cock, but it's... Either a version of cock or caulk. So, there's either some bit of stank put on it, a bit of an accent. So you got a little bit of save cock, or it's just straight save cock. Then we have Red Exile, Survival Horror. I kind of laughed through that. So, the Red Exile, Survival Horror. That's one title. And then last up, Fluffy Milo. But before I get to that, probably a few things I should touch on. One, this isn't important. However, at some point, it may have been in one of the Patreon exclusive Q&As. But in case it was here, I've talked about Corridor Digital and really liking the Corridor Crew channel and how they go in a nice amount of detail about the visual effects sides of movies and TV shows, animations, and I really like their reacts videos from visual effects artists reacts to stuntmen, stunt women react, animators react, and so on. I talked about how they have extended editions and a lot more content on their actual website. 
where you can subscribe to watch those videos ad-free, etc. All, all done with their own app too. I was wondering how you would watch that stuff. And I said I thought it was something ridiculous like $40 a month, which is why I would never even consider it. I was wrong. It's $40 for a year. $4 a month, but if you want to pay for a year, you get two months free. So, much more reasonable. And I am currently at the very beginning of my 14-day trial. And I will probably get it after the trial because I enjoy their content and I don't think that is anywhere near too much to ask for all the good information they put out there and all the content that is there and I like supporting fellow people it's nice to support those who you get something out of and then the more important thing the more pressing thing for potential listeners watchers of this show and other stuff I do is that I have decided to end streaming I know I've done this before in the past, and I just, after the last stream, I do not see the point. I put so much of myself into it, and no. Why? Why? Why am I doing this? I enjoy chatting with my friends who I've made over the years from Player One Podcast and all that. I enjoy chatting with them. I can do that in little private streams that I throw in the Patreon exclusive channels and whatnot. So, sorry, Conan and Wanser. But just publicly streaming, no. No, it's over. <laughs> no great loss, really. But I just figured I'd acknowledge that here. And that's that. Let us get on to and and to that point too. Just to go a little off of that. What? I didn't ask you anything about the border of the U.S. Miss A L E X A. Where I was going with that, uh, in terms of what ending streaming will potentially lead to, is more regular edited content and stuff that I've wanted to do that admittedly streaming has sucked up a lot of the time and effort for potentially working on stuff like that so you may in the long run get better content there's no way it'll be more content because streaming ultimately while requiring effort and, and a lot of physical effort the amount of time to final product is nowhere near the same in terms of, you know, I'm not editing the streams and trunking and cutting out this, that, and whatnot. It's just a raw stream. So duration-wise, it won't be the same. Whatever. Let's get on to what I've been playing. Start with Marble It Up Ultra. This is probably exactly what you would expect it to be. A marble 
game, a rolling ball game, very much so in the vein of something like Super Monkey Ball, which is more so in the vein of classic Marble. Is Marble Madness that way? The, the one I th- think of most is what I believe was called Marble Ultra, uh, an Xbox 360 Xbox Live Arcade game that I really liked. And I believe Lunchbox was a big fan of that game as well. But it is very much so in that Super Monkey Ball vein, which I use as a reference point because I would assume that's probably have that probably has the most awareness out there. But you are going through these various levels. Sometimes they're very tunnel-based, half-pipe-based. And you're trying to reach the end goal in a certain amount of time to get a medal that is either gold, silver, or bronze. And while you're making your way there, there will be collectibles to grab, do gems. Each level has a specific treasure chest, as they call it, I believe, which will unlock some kind of cosmetic item, whether it be a mask or doodad that you can put on your marble, a different skin for the marble, or a trail, a different colored trail or crazy over-the-top trail that will flow behind your ball and that is the crux of the game that is all you're doing and they're not they're not all tunnel based or anything like that more of a track based some of them are more level based that have you jumping around so mechanically you roll the ball of course but then you can jump you have power ups which include a boost, a high jump, and a feather, which allows you to float. So if you're on a high ledge and you fall off it, you'll go much further distance. And then you have, I forget what the other one was. I don't even know if I got that in the 30 plus levels I played of the game. But in addition to that, the levels themselves will have various obstacles and ways of benefiting you as well. So there'll be giant blocks that'll get in your way that you want to avoid. There'll be little bumper, well, just bumpers, like what you would see in a pinball table. Moving platforms, gaps that you have to jump over. And on the opposite end, boost pads, not, not, not so much boost pads, but boost windows that you crash through and it'll give you a boost or jump pads that will propel you up. There's also a time power up, which when you get will slow down time so that you're better able to reach the destination, the goal in a short enough amount of time so that you will get that gold medal. And that's pretty much all there is to the game. The levels themselves are pretty well enough designed. Feels good mechanically. Visually, not that great. But there is a lot to unlock that you can find both in the treasure chest and then there is a store that you use currency you get from completing levels no microtransactions of any of that sort, just in-game currency so that you can unlock 
new skins, new trails, stuff again like mass arrows that you can make it look like your ball has an arrow going through it, etc. And it's just a nice, chill little game. It's exactly what you think it is, and it's pretty good at that. I believe it features six worlds, quote unquote worlds of roughly 10 levels each and then four bonus areas of again 10 or so levels each so decent amount of content there there's also a not time trial but there's some kind of weekly challenge or something that I completely forgot about and did not engage with but I would assume that I should have checked that just to see if it was a, a randomly generated type of thing because once you do clear out the the regular levels, the bespoke levels, if you don't have friends to compete with for times and all of that, I do think you'll fall off of it relatively quickly. So there might not be a whole lot of reasons to come back outside of getting all the achievements. They're were a hefty amount of achievements but it is what it is and it's a pretty alright one of them the only other caveat or reason to pause potentially would be I think the game's $30 and if that is the case that might be a bit a bit steep for most but uh, enjoyable enough An enjoyable ball rolling game decent level design everything feels good responsive which is important in a game like this it is very important that with a game like this where you are moving very very fast especially in certain levels in the way they're designed in those tunnel level ones when you have the gaps come up you need a very responsive game so that when you hit the jump it's not too delayed that you end up falling off there is a rewind mechanic which is nice, but I believe with the rewind mechanic, if you use it at all, then your score is negated. You're not going to earn any points. Any of the in-game currency is, is not really going to count. It'll just give you the satisfaction of making you feel like you beat it. My one real issue with the game is that the restarting, so if you fall off and you want to restart, well, one, you restart from a, a checkpoint if you've passed through a checkpoint. Longer levels will have multiple checkpoints. But if you want to restart either the level completely or get at those checkpoints, you have to wait a few seconds for your ball to fall enough. And I wish there was just a reset button. There are enough buttons on the controller that could have one of them mapped to it because they use two inputs for each of the mechanics so jump is tied to I believe left trigger and A and then power up is X and right trigger and then B and one of the bumpers for another thing but that that's my one my, my, my one negative I just wish there was a restart button so that you didn't have to go in the menu to restart and you didn't have to wait but that is Marble Up Ultra Next is Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed Single Player for the Xbox One, specifically for the Xbox One. 
I got a code for this a while back. Forgot about it. Inputted it and downloaded the game to see what was different because there's, there's no multiplayer. So this is a single player only version of the game for Xbox One specifically. The previous version was a series exclusive. So this is available on last gen hardware and removes the multiplayer for $10 less than what the current gen version costs. I was surprised by how bad it looks. I don't think the current gen version looks so good that it wouldn't be possible to have visuals of that nature on an Xbox One. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and maybe I don't think there's any Xbox One X enhanced. There wouldn't be because I would have had that on the series, of course. So it's just this one base version. And it looks really, really bad. While the series version, the current gen version of Destroy Humans 2 Reprobed, looks like a remake, a full-on remake. The Xbox One version, the single-player-only version, looks way more like a remaster than a remake. And by that, I mean this is a game that was originally released on PlayStation 2, I believe. And the single-player Xbox One version looks like a cleaned-up, sharpen PS2 game. Maybe a little bit better, but it does not look at, at the very best, it looks like a 360 era game and not even an Xbox One era game. Which was shocking. And then when you factor in the lack of multiplayer, that makes this version worthless in my opinion Unless you are someone who only has an Xbox One, no PlayStation, no intention of ever, ever, ever upgrading to a series console, you, you've committed and decided that the Xbox One is your one and only console, you're never going to get a new one, and you're just going to live the rest of your life with that, that single console? I cannot recommend this because just one, right now, it's just a bit of a weird thing. I think the Xbox One version, not, not the Xbox One version, the series version is on sale for slightly cheaper than the Xbox One version or it's on sale making it the same price. That's not important. doesn't really matter because this Xbox One version is going to be on sale at some point for super cheap as well. But unless you are that person, just wait until you get a series console and then get the series version or just don't, don't, it's not worth it for $30 getting only the single player and no multiplayer with it looking as bad as it does. Cause that's one of the things I love most about the remakes of one and two. They look really, really good. They've, put a lot of work into it and outside of the weird change to the ammo system 
I really, really like those remakes. And I believe the studio who did these remakes is the studio doing the TMNT Last Ronin game, which I don't know how to feel about because this is all I know they've made. I think they'll make something that looks pretty good, but will it? And they, these play well. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about the Last Ronin game. Is this a studio I would want to make it? No, of course not. I want it to be Rocksteady, but whatever. That's not ever going to happen, so tough titties. But just to put a, a, a pin on this, Destroy All Humans 2 reprobed single-player edition for Xbox One. I don't know if there is... I think there is a, a similar version for PlayStation 4. Just don't do it. Looks terrible. Especially... If you've seen the series PlayStation 5 version, it's such a drop-off from that. To the point where, again, I was super shocked when I first put up the game. I was in no way expecting it to look that bad. Maybe if I had played this version first, I wouldn't think that. But given that that comparison is out there, it's hard not to compare and contrast them. And then the lack of multiplayer... It is a big deal because while the two little minigame things, the sides of PK Tennis and Duels, are fine little, again, asides, and their, and their lack is a little unfortunate, but no real big deal, the bigger deal is the lack of campaign co-op because... In a game like Destroy All Humans, where you're thrown into these various sandboxes, and yes, you have missions, you have specific goals to complete, but you can also just go in them and mess around with the humans, you can go collectible hunting, etc. Doing that with a buddy is a good time. And in a game like Destroy All Humans, where there is some kind of cheeky, more adultish humor, if you're playing it with a kid who's in that 8 to 10 range or older, I think they make really good parent-child co-op experiences. So that loss is also a bigger deal because co-op is fun. We don't get enough co-op games, and especially not enough co-op games that you can enjoy with uh, a child. Yeah. Destroy Humans 2 reprobed single player. Uh, a, a, a bigger downgrade than I was expecting. I thought it, I thought it was just going to be... Hey, it looks pretty close to the series version. It just doesn't have multiplayer. That's, that's not it. Next up, though, is the Dragonist Command of the Flame. This is a game that in the description says it is very home... H-O-M-M inspired, which I had to Google to discover that meant Heroes of Might and Magic, which means I don't know how it's inspired by that, but it says it's inspired by Heroes of Might and Magic with a bit of a roguelite twist. The roguelite twist, very, very minimal. It is just meaning that when you die, if you die, then you get to come back with one of three randomized heroes not a big dif uh, a difference between them. Not a big deal. Whatever. 
but the majority of the game involves you with your little, uh, little city rebuilding it, which is kind of fun, but not a lot of depth to it. Just going around the various corners of it, and here will be a patch that says, oh, you, do you have the the resources you need to rebuild this thing that will unlock these for you? These systems or these whatever for you? All right. Cool. And then you're sent on these missions, going to these various maps where you will collect resources by going over them. You'll unlock new troops. You'll find treasure chests, goodies, and then there'll be enemies that you can engage with and fight in turn-based tactical combat. And and on the, the map section, every one of your turns, you're taking up food, which you have to have enough of to feed your monsters who you send off in battles. They are your troops. If you don't have any food, then in between each turns up, they become weaker and weaker. But I never found, or I, I never came into a situation where I was really struggling for food. You get enough ways of moving a lot during your turns and getting food, and it's never really much of a problem or a concern. Not, not something you have to be worried about. But since the majority of the game is this tactics combat, this tactical turn-based RPG, it is unfortunate that it is as boring and as dull and as easy as it is. One of the issues with the game, with the, the combat, is that everything is this generic, boring-ass square of spaces that will be slightly different by having maybe a fallen tree in the way or some rocks and, and, and that's pretty much it the the setting will be different so you'll have one that's depending on where you are oh now it's a deserty setting it's a desert theme it's a forest theme it's a swamp theme whatever and then you just engage in very slow boring combat your troops against theirs you have your hero with their abilities that he can use a certain amount of times in a combat scenario and that's that it's just it's so boring and easy and there are clearly troops who are way more worth putting your points into into recruiting and certain troops who are just the most worthless garbage troops in the world the tree imp or whatever they are Get the hell off my team. You fucking suck. You're so slow moving. You can't do anything of any real value. Get out of here. You suck. The Griffin could just go wherever they want. Ridiculous. But the combat sucks. You can't do auto battle. You can't have the, the game battle for you. Don't ever do that. Because as easy as the game is, and as easy as the combat is, if you tell the game to fight for you, they'll do the stupidest shit and get themselves killed, which won't happen if you're playing by yourself, if you're doing everything yourself. I did not die once or come close to dying. I was playing on the easiest difficulty, but I did check out some of it on harder difficulties. 
wasn't really much of a in, increase in difficulty. So yeah, it's just a pretty boring game ultimately with not too much depth in any way. So not 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 much to see there. Then save cock is a weird detective game that doesn't explain a whole hell of a lot. Requires you to just kind of fucking figure things out on your own. Do a lot of trial and error. Butts around with this, that. And is clunky, buggy, broken in ways. The very opening of it when I was messing around with my tablet, it wouldn't let me back out and it just became very very frustrating I eventually kind of figured out how to finagle it but it is definitely in need of ironing out it could really use some kind of tutorial some kind of explainer or in the settings some information that tells you in a way what they want you to do because it just throws you in here and then you have seven days to figure out who the mole is in your city you're this pig detective dude whatever and you have to find out who the mole is and the ringleader or one or the other and how you do this is by sending your team on various scouting missions or, or just missions in general they, they could be missions to calm a potential riding group or to steal some valuables or find out information about this, that, and their success rate is presumably based on their particular skill and what type of mission you send them on. So if you send the doctor who's really good at torture on the mission to steal some jewels from the mayor, probably going to fail but if you send your trusty thief to steal those jewels probably going to end in success so you gotta do that but then you have this little bulletin board with all these images of the various characters polar pictures of them where as you learn new information about them you can see that all there you have a phone book of all your contacts who you can call that will maybe give you information. I called people and none of them had anything valuable to ever say. And one of your one of your team members who I think is a thief is a horse. And he'll call you because sometimes characters will call you as well. And you can choose to be friendly, hostile, etc. with them. But every time I either call the horse or they call me, they just talked in clippity cloppities. So even if they're providing me with information, it's all—it's always clippity cloppity. So it's not actually any valuable information. It's just clippity cloppity, clippity cloppity. And in the background in your little office, you have a full screen, kind of full wall TV that'll show breaking news on there that can provide you with some information or little baby ass journalists who don't like the fact that you weren't willing to give them an exclusive 
Get over it. Sally. Their name wasn't Sally. I don't know who their name was. What their name was. But it's a game that... On paper? Seems like something I would enjoy. But in practice and execution... It... It needs more. It needs more. It needs to be better fleshed out. Better explained. And it just isn't. So... In this particular case, there is no saving cock. I mean, maybe if they do some updates, they can save cock, but I can't save cock. The developers, maybe they can still save cock. And if they save cock, I'll give I'll give the cock another go. But until that, the cock has to go away from me. The next up is the Red Exile Survival Horror, which is a survival horror game, a first-person survival horror game with a roguelite aspect. The roguelite aspect is that after each run, and it, it didn't seem like it was any different depending on how long it lasted or how many candles I found, I'd always unlock one skill point after each run which you then you can use to unlock perks and you can equip three perks prior to your, your various runs. And what you're tasked with doing is going from room to room to room, finding candles so that you can activate this pentagram or whatever, while a big old butcher-looking chubby dude is trying to get you and kill you. And if he gets you, it'll do the whole black screen character's face all up in your face in your real face with a bit of crazy sound and that's that you can also find crowbars which allow you to unlock boarded up doors so you can get shortcuts essentially or get to areas you wouldn't be able to otherwise syringes that will speed you up a little bit and that's it that's the crux of it. It's all under a very oppressive red tint, which makes it very unpleasant to look at after a while. And what's frustrating or the most frustrating thing about it is that it doesn't tell you any of the controls and you can't adjust controls in any way. So it doesn't tell you you can sprint. You just have to kind of assume or... or try the usual controls for sprint and of course pushing in the left analog stick allows you to sprint but you have to hold the stick in i hate that with a with a, an analog stick press needed for sprinting i prefer it to be a toggle if it's not mapped to a face button or something else needs to be a toggle you can't you can't adjust that and then you just have to figure out how the other controls work. The, the only control you do see is that the objects you pick up, you can carry three at a time. They're mapped to, to a, as far as equipping them goes, they're mapped to the D-pad. Then to use them, you got to press the X button. Does it tell you you press the X button? No. You just figure it out on your own. Another little weird quirk about it is that the game, by default, sensitivity-wise, very, very fast and loose on a control on a gamepad. You can adjust this in the settings. 
it's a little finicky first getting that to work to to move your cursor over the bar to scroll it to to move it either more or less sensitive but what sucks about this is that it affects the cursor the on-screen cursor as well which you only really use in the menus but i found that a nice sweet spot for in-game sensitivity is a nightmare for cursor sensitivity where it just slows that thing down to the point of being incredibly annoying to use again you don't really use it that much but even so wish there were two options one for in-game sensitivity and one for cursor sensitivity but this game is as bare bones as they come in terms of that but all you're doing is going around getting these candles it feels very slender manny ish in that sense room to room to room not a lot of variety there the perks that you can unlock you don't know what they're going to do until you unlock them so it's all a bit of crapshoot they give you some hint with the title but then after i unlocked the second one i realized the title and the image that it goes along with it wasn't actually that helpful in giving me an idea of what it was and in no way was what i thought it was going to be so i was like okay all right cool no refunds either but again you can do a little quick runs you can brute force it and just try to find the monster a bunch of times in a row so that you get a bunch of skill points but that that's all the game is and in my little bit of time with it i never got enough candles the monster always got me before i got enough candles to complete the pentagram so i don't know what happens when you do it once if you just have to then do it again or you're sent to another area doesn't really matter i found so many crowbars jesus christ but a pretty bare bones game I like the idea of a horror-based roguelite. This is not it, though. The last, but not, not, not least, is Fluffy Milo. This is a block-pushing game where you have a game space, various little squares that you can walk on, and depending on how many blocks you have, a certain number of designated spaces that you need to push the blocks onto to complete a level so a puzzle game and the theme of this is cat based where i can't see the exact object that you're pushing onto the designated spaces but the designated spaces are litter boxes and the things you're moving are bags so i'm assuming that the game is just about as your little you're you're the fucking nicest cat in the world because you yourself are pushing the litter bags into the boxes of yourself. You're filling them themselves. So not only do your your owners not have to take you outside to poop, you'll fucking clean the litter boxes yourself. You'll replace them for your your owners themselves. So you're the best cat in the world. So you have that that's the the theming of the block pushing puzzler. And then you're just doing exactly what you would expect from a game like this. You have your spaces, then you have to figure out how to get the 
bags on the boxes. So if you, you early on, very, very simple, but as you get into later levels, there'll be a certain order that will be the, the way in which you'll want to do it. So you'll want to move this particular bag onto this base first so that you get it out of the way and so on and so forth. You're able to undo your last three moves, which is nice. And that's, that's all it is. It, it, I like these games. I played through the first 30 levels in maybe 10 minutes, if that. It's very breezy, but super pleasant. Forgettable music, whatever. Cute little art style. But uh, <laughs> there's not much to say about a, a block puzzle, a block moving puzzle game, other than it does its job. And if you enjoy that particular job, if you like those puzzle games, you'll you'll get a nice little session out of it. You'll you, there, there's I can't imagine you would play this for more than one sitting. But at the same time, I'm assuming it's an East Asia Soft title, so I'm assuming that it's probably in that four to five dollar range. So if that. If that's worth an evening for you, I think if you get an evening's worth of enjoyment, a sitting's worth of enjoyment, five bucks ain't too much to ask. You buy a cup of coffee, you buy a donut for that much. Is that how much donuts cost? I don't know how much fast food or any of that stuff costs. I never get that stuff. I feel like inflation and all that probably costs that much to get a donut. So with this, you get a same amount of time worth of enjoyment without all those bad calories. So who's laughing now? I am because this episode is over. Yep. <laughs> Anywho, that is going to do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. I think I've given in. And I'm going to try and maybe start tweeting again. I know it's probably not technically called tweeting. It's called Xing or a fucking who knows what. But as much as I like to move off that platform and onto something else, whether it be Threads or Blue Sky, if I'm ever able to get an invite or whatnot, it just doesn't seem like any of those potential competitors, alternatives, etc., are really making any kind of dent and as much as a lot of us may want to move to a different platform, as much as it seems like Elon Musk is trying to destroy Twitter, X, whatever, it's always going to be Twitter. Just like the Sears Tower, if you're a Chicagoan, is always the Sears Tower. It's always Twitter. It's always Twitter. And to that point, any Chicagoan who does call it the Willis Tower... You're fucking, you're not a real Chicagoan. You're full of shit. No way. No way. I don't know any born and bred Chicagoan who calls it the Willis Tower. Because it is the fucking Sears Tower. And it is fucking Twitter. But it just seems like no matter what, it's just that it is what it is. Is it that that's the thing, so. I think I'm a give in and then also at that same to that same point try and 
be active on it again after not being active for such a long time. I would kind of like to maybe put around with some other platforms too. But we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, at PX Sausage pretty much everywhere. And of course, if you enjoy this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you and you'd like to support me in my nonsense, you could do that over at Patreon. Dot com slash pxs speaking of the patreon and more if you like links to all of my jazz the site the youtube the discord and the patreon you can get all those very easily over at pxsausage.com that is again pxsausage.com that'll get you links to all of that jazz and a few other places as well but that is it that is all as always thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a fan friggin'tastic weekend. But for now, adios. Arrivederci. Bye!